Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. We're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is Dick Van Dyke. (laughs) I'm very impressed. Ladies and gentlemen, the only true Cape Crusader, Adam West. Oh, thank you. Gilbert Grape. (laughs) (laughs) Let's welcome one of our favorite actors, Bruce Dern. Thank you, sir. I much appreciate the intro. One of our favorite filmmakers and raconteurs, Peter Bogdanovich. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Godfrey. I should do I should do Walter Brennan now, but I don't know if I can. I just ate. (laughs) Save it for later in the show, Peter. Please welcome the multi-talented Michael Nesmith. What do you think of my cologne? (laughs) That was good. That's Boucheron. Please welcome to the show. Jessica Walter, Ron Liebman, our pal Dana Gould, Ira Glass. Wow. Well, that was quite an introduction. Very happy to be here. And a man far too famous and successful to be appearing on this podcast, (laughs) Matthew Broderick. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for that lengthy introduction. Yeah. Officer Judy himself. Bob Einstein. What an introduction! I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, that was phenomenal! Please welcome one of the funniest men in comedy and the recently appointed president of the Tracy Morgan Fan Club. <laughs> Our pal Artie Lang! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Weird Please just call me ladies and gentlemen. Yes, ladies. We have ladies and gentlemen on the show right now. Please welcome our pal, Chevy Chase. Oh, all right. Hey, thank you, Gil. You know, I've often thought, what is a podcast? (laughs) Now, Now I know. So our new partners at Earwolf asked us to record a special episode this week to give people who may be unfamiliar with what podcasting is or how to download or listen to a podcast uh, an example, a clear example of what our podcast is, an episode that would just sum it up and and give them an impression of what our show is. Uh, It's just part of an industry-wide podcast uh, uh, awareness initiative 
uh, for the month of March, which they're calling Tripod, uh, hashtag T-R-Y-P-O-D. So we thought we would uh, gather up some greatest hits, some of our best interviews, and we also get a lot of questions from time to time, and uh, we're going to try to answer some of them. The question that I'm asked the most is, does Gilbert use his actual voice when he records the podcast? Oh, oh, heavens no. No, I never use my own voice. (laughs) I was, um, in my childhood, quite early in my childhood, my parents emphasized reading and education. Uh Uh-huh. And I did well. Um, And later I attended Eton University. Oh, you did? Yes, quite. And that's where I got both my master's and doctorate degrees. But then one day I found I had a talent to do one voice. (coughs) Let, Let me see if I can do it very quickly. So he stayed under the glass coffee table and the hooker squatted on it and then they were throwing orange wedges at his ass. <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that tickles a bit. Um, and I realized that that was possibly going to be my foray into um, show business or like theater, really. I see. So there was a there was a departure from your actual, um, your, your, the polish of your upbringing. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my parents were mortified. Was it a reach given that you had, uh, you, you know, this this character was so far removed from who you actually were? Oh, heavens, yes, yes. I, I grew up in England, uh, a small town called Kent, and uh, we... Um, we were very, if um, well, it's well, it's different in Europe, really. I, I can say it. Uh, we were an anti-Semitic family. Really? Oh yes, yes. Now we we didn't associate with any yids. Um, my father actually used to be an informant to the Nazis during World War Two. Got a medal. I didn't realize. Oh, no. Boy, I thought no, I knew oh, you. Not at all. Not at all. Yes, I was. I was quite ashamed that later on, when I realized that, despite what my parents had told me, um, Jews did not have horns on their heads. So really. In answer to the, the the question, the people who ask me, does he does he use his real voice? The whole thing is really a, a character. Mm, precisely, precisely, Excelsior. And you know, it really does get tiring going from my regular speaking voice on onto uh, you know. Ah, uh, so uh, they were kissing at the airport, and he put his finger on his ass. Which. I, of course, never speak that way, and at home I'd catch hell. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you seem to have a gift for dialects, because it's very convincing. <laughs> Thank you. I don't, uh, actually. I usually avoid obscenity personally. Uh, I think it's a cheap way to go for laughs, really. I don't work blue. So, Gil, for, for the uninitiated, how would you describe our podcast, people who've never heard the show? How would you sum it up? Uh, what the podcast is, is like both of us, you and I, would get into these uh, conversations. Yeah. And we both knew, like, people we should have forgotten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember it was phone conversations while you were on the road. Yeah. Mo- mostly. And and we would talk, and we'd remember, like, a guy who was an extra in some film no one saw. Or just character actors that, that excited us, like Simon Oakland and, oh. Bert, and Bert Mustin. Yes. And, and people like that, just, or Martin Balsam, or people even more obscure than that. And John uh, Saxon. Uh, and, and, of course, Skelton Canag. Skelton Canag, <laughs> Sc- Scatman <laughs> Crothers, Brock Peters. <laughs> just about anybody who came, uh, Jack Elam. And oh, we, yes. We would just sit on the phone for hours and talk about these people and, and try to top one another. 
And then it became one of these things like, let's try to find some of these people who are still around. That was it. And, and you know, when it first started, I think people were looking at it going, oh, you know, it's like a very, it'll be a snarky put down. Well, people, <laughs> I don't know why anyone had, <laughs> why, why anyone had any reason to expect that of you. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, they haven't been following your career. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're just so wrong. Well, it, that came out early in the reviews of the show, and, and people's first reactions was they can't, they couldn't believe that you were so reverent, that you were so uh, admiring of these people and, and, and such a fan, yeah. and, and that we weren't there to, to, to mock. In fact, if anything, we're mocked by them. Yes. Because <laughs> there, there were people who, in the beginning, we hadn't really convinced to come on because they thought... Oh, it's going to be one of those where they're at the punchline yeah. of the joke. It still happens on occasion, but <laughs> 170 shows later, uh, less less so. Yeah, but it really is. It's it's also not only did we want to just pick up the phone and call these people to to see if they were around. I remember the one of the early conceits of the show was we were actually going to do that. We were actually going to make the call. Oh yes, like act yes. out that we were actually trying to, and pretend that the person would just pick I, up the phone. I'm and, very happy that didn't <laughs> <laughs> because it would have run out of gas very quickly. But really, it was as simple as that. It was, gee, do you think we could pick up the phone and call these people and see if Ed Asner wants to talk to us or Roger Corman or, or Dick Van Dyke or will will they, you know, uh, Paul Dooley? Will they take our calls? Will they sit and talk to us? Will they reminisce about the past? And and to our surprise, they were willing to. And it it became one of those things like I need to have a reason to talk to these people like Bruce Dern. Yeah. And people like that. And and it's like now I felt like, oh, I have a a great reason now to call them and speak to them and ask them these questions. Because what people don't know about you is that you would carry people's phone numbers around in your wallet for years. Yes. And never actually call them. Because you felt you had no legitimate reason to pick up the phone and call them. That's absolutely (laughs) true. Right. And now you do. I've had a couple of celebrities, like major names. Oh, sure. Who have given me their phone numbers. And I had it for years, a bunch of them like that. And I thought, I can't just call them up. Right, (laughs) right, right. Well, one we can mention, because we talked about it on the show with Kelly, his daughter, was George Carlin. Yeah. yeah, George Carlin gave me his phone number, and he said, whenever I'm appearing on TV or in a special, he goes, call me. I want to see what's going on in that brain of yours. And it was a, a great compliment, and I really wanted to talk to George Carlin, but I just couldn't get myself to do it. And another one, Jonathan Winters. Crazy. That kills me, me that you didn't call these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Norman Fell. Right. Norman right, right. Fell said, you know, right. give me a call anytime. And unfortunately you named three people that were gone by the time that we started the oh, uh, yes. that we started the podcast. Yes. But we have and we never thought when we started and you know, we talked to Larry Storch and Ken Berry and, and Adam West and we were thrilled, but we never thought that it was going to expand to the point that no. we were going to get Carl Reiner and Dick Van Dyke we, and, and I I won't say the first guest we had. <laughs> But uh, after that one, we sort of went to a pizza place afterwards, and and I remember saying to you, well, you know, hey, we tried, 
we gave it a, we made an effort. Yes. That's it. But Dara would not take no for an answer. Yeah, that's the problem. Yes, with her. that's the problem. <laughs> so really, it is that it, it it it's become a Valentine, but it really it really was born out of gee, we'd really love an excuse to talk to these people and tell them how much they meant to us and reminisce and see if they wanted to play our game, see if they wanted to reminisce about the nonsense that we were already oh, yes. reminiscing about. And talking about these characters and remembering the minutia from those episodes. And it, much to our delight, by and large, they do. And and a lot of them do like to know about glass coffee tables and throwing orange wedges at celebrity acid. Well, that's just essential knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so for people who want... Uh, who, who who are trying to understand what this show is, the essence of what this show is, or what it is we're trying to accomplish. What we did is we picked five clips, uh, five five snippets from from shows that I guess th- these clips represent or best represent the variety of things that happen on this show. And and I, and I'm happy to say that it was hard to pick out bits that really stood out because there was so many, so many. So many. Yeah, we we managed to winnow it down to five from about 55. So um, where do we start? Uh, let's start with this clip. This is uh, <laughs> this is one of the funniest men in the world, uh, uh, Super Dave uh, uh, Osborne, uh, our friend Bob Einstein, uh, uh, who basically came on the show and ripped us apart. Oh, yes. It was hysterical. It was hilarious. Uh, and that's what happens with the show. As I said, we're, we're always reverent. <laughs> Sometimes they're not. Uh, and this is a, this is a wonderful story uh, about, uh, about a comic legend uh, that Bob loves to tell, and it's a great one. I'll give you one more story because sure. Sure. we can't leave on that. My first meeting with Red after we agreed to do the show was at his house <laughs> on Mulholland. And, and Al and I are talking to him, and, and we see with the monitor, he's got 700 televisions to see who's coming down. Uh, Sloppy White is coming down. <laughs> now, outside, Red has five dogs that are half dogs, half human. They're the biggest fucking dogs I've ever seen, and you can't see what kind of a breed they are. Because they're wearing tennis shoes and they're fucking hungry. And they're all over the yard. So Red said, Sloppy, how you doing? He said, listen, I'm meeting with Blindstein here. I want you to go down the pool house. I'll meet you in a minute. He said, what about your dog? He said, how long have I known you? 50 fucking years? My dogs ever touch you? He said, no. He said, well, get the fuck to the pool house. And we watched like on Cinerama Dome. These dogs chase Sloppy White <laughs> all over the yard into the pool with his clothes on. And, Red, and all Red said was, God damn, they did go after him. And then we went back to a meeting. And Sloppy's in the pool with his clothes on. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, now we're going to destroy whatever entertainment value was in this show by breaking for a commercial. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, Priceline. And now back to the show. So it's so hard to to sum up this show uh, in clips. And like you said earlier, we went through so many of them. Oh, yeah. Even to get down to five. So here's another one. Uh, this is our friend Joe Pantoliano. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this clip. Uh, what do you want to say about something about it? Uh, no, no. Keep going. Uh, Frankie Verderosa, our wonderful, uh, uh, ever-efficient, ever-trusty uh, engineer, uh, knows Joe because Joe comes to Nutmeg and, and does voiceovers from time to time and said, hey, do you want to do the Gilbert podcast? And he said he would love to. And we got Joe in here. And God, he was great. Oh, there were so many things. That's what when they surprise me, I really love it. It's like, and with him, we asked him about playing tough guys, and he said he plays them because it gives him a feeling of power because he was a victim of That's bullies. Right. That's right. Yeah, and so Joe doesn't uh, doesn't maybe doesn't fit the the classic profile of a of a of a Gilbert Gottfried amazing colossal podcast guest. <laughs> And that he's not, uh, you know, he's not an older showbiz legend, but he's also got a, he's got a very long resume. He's been doing this a long time and he just, he just turned out to be the, the ideal guest. And here's a reason why. Check this out. Can you tell that story about this beautiful girl? The first time I ever brought a girlfriend home. Yeah. Yeah, Um, You were very shy among girls. Yeah. And, and also I thought that. You know, I thought that women would eventually turn into my mother. You know, like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be under their thumb like my mother's, you know, my mother would just beat the hell out of my father, even my even my wise guy father. You know, she she had she was the toughest man I ever knew was my mother. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, so we I take this girl, Ellen, and she's like a, a runway model and she's beautiful and uh I wanna show off a little bit and I take I think you know, I take it down the Jersey Shore where my, my uh, Flory and my mother can, you know, scratch up enough money to rent a bungalow for a week and it's Sunday afternoon and we're sitting down and my mom's at the head of the table and Flory's at the other head. I'm sitting next to my mother. Ellen's across the way from me next to my mother. My sister is between me and Flory. And then there's Joe, the insurance man, who was a friend of Flory's, sitting next to Ellen in between Flory and Ellen. So um, my sister has got this glass of iced tea. And uh, and in the inside of the glass, there's ridges and she's kind of mixing the ice uh, inside the glass. And it's hitting the ridges and it's making noise and it's bugging me. And I go, Marianne, do you have to do that? And my sister was like 12 at the time. She goes, Jesus Christ. And she slams the glass. You can't do a fucking thing in this house. So Flory says, watch your mouth. My mother, steam starts coming out of her ears and she looks down at him and she goes, she ain't your daughter. Mind your own business. And Flory picks up a salad bowl and smashes it on the table. And he goes, I put the food on this fucking table. Don't you ever talk to me like that. And my mother goes, oh, big shot. What are you going to do? Shoot me? You're going to shoot me? And I'm like, so I get so mad at her. I go, you see, that's why I don't bring anybody into this house because of your fucking mouth. And my mother turns on me now and she goes, you little summon a bitch. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? And my mother grabs her breast. She twists her breast and she goes, I cursed the milk that fed you. You should have died in my womb. In my womb, you should have died. 
And ah. Ellen is eating. All she can do is eat. <laughs> We're screaming and crying and fly, food's flying everywhere. And she's just, her head's down and she's eating sausage and peppers. And uh, <laughs> I pack my bag. I'm outside. Joe's saying, Say, go in and tell your mother you're sorry. Fuck you. I didn't, you know, she started it. And uh, and Ellen, I'm, I'm, we're leaving. And Ellen see the deconstruction of a family. It's the end. And my mother opens up the screen door. She goes, Joey, you want coffee? <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. So here's another clip that... Uh, <laughs> this is a happy surprise, and this is something that happens on the show sometimes, is that we remind the guest of something that they've done that they've forgotten uh, about. Oh, yes, yes. And at that, at times like that, I don't mind embarrassing a guest. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I remember Leno used to do that. He would pull out an old embarrassing oh, clip yeah. from time to time. We do it really more as a as an homage. I mean, we're here. here's an example. This is somebody we all grew up on. Uh, uh, the great John Amos uh, character actor and the star of Good Times. And uh, the interview was winding down, and I, I had I had this written on a card, and I said, boy, do, do we do we bring this out, or is he going to be embarrassed by this? You don't know how these <laughs> things are going to go. But to our surprise... Uh, yeah, he just played right along with it, and, and he remembered all the words. Yeah. And and in, in the words of... Uh, of Florida from good times. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> you don't disappoint the fans, yeah. do you? <laughs> Here's what we're talking about. Take a listen. I got cut from my last Canadian football team. I needed a job. I had a, my daughter was an infant at the time, so I applied for and got a job as a McDonald's franchise trainee. And I'm working at McDonald's during the day and... Uh, we weren't doing any business because they were just introducing the chain to all of Canada. So I had like 20 crewmen with nothing to do. So I <laughs> I started getting them songs and dances to rehearse like them. <laughs> oh, that's right. You wrote song parodies about McDonald's. And people would come up there and say, what is this place? I'd say, this is McDonald's. We sell hamburgers. You never sell anything. What do you got all these people dancing and singing around <laughs> You say, do, you, do I have this right? You took like music from West Side Story, right? And you, a bun like that could cause a trouble. <laughs> a bun like that could ruin a double. Stick to your own bun specification. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was damaged goods in those days. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you, and you also, and we have something here that you've that you've also talked this, about. This, this is scary. What's this, yes. uh, uh, Frankie? Speaking of McDonald's. Oh Grab yeah. Scrub the bottom and top. There is nothing, nothing so clean as <laughs> my burger machine. <laughs> With a broom and a brush. Clean it up for the rush. Before you open the door. Or to shine on the, the floor. floor. <laughs> when we finish one then. Again. Tell me what does it mean? John is singing. He's a great today. So get up and get away to McDonald's. McDonald's. 
Okay. Fantastic. You still remember? Oh it. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey. Here's the killer. I walk into uh, Tom Hanks's dressing room. I go to see uh, him in Broadway. I walk into his dressing room and he breaks into that song of all the, all the things in the world. Now we had Matthew Broderick on the show. Yes, and but- and you know, in all fairness, he was doing a play at the time. It was great. It was generous. He was yeah. doing, yeah. He came over here in between performances. Yeah, he did a matinee, rushed over here to do uh, an interview, and then had a rush back to be on stage for that evening show. Yeah, generous guy. And how did you repay him? Well, <laughs> I personally always fucking hated the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> I never got what was supposed to be good about it. And that's the way I started the interview. You did. That I fucking hate Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he handled it uh, pretty deftly. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And pretty diplomatically. I had to be honest. (laughs) Uh, here's, Here's the clip. I have to preface this interview by by saying what everyone has told me not to say. Uh Uh-oh. <laughs> I fucking hated Ferris Bueller's oh. Day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, way to welcome the guy. <laughs> Who told you not to say that? <laughs> I, I may have said, "Don't lead with it." Oh, don't lead with it. Warm, warm him up. Yeah. <laughs> now, Why do you hate it? I don't. I mean, like we had Peter Bogdanovich on this show. Yeah, his mother saw. Do you like Red- Paper Moon? We do. Yeah. Yeah. His his mother had seen Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. And she hated it. And she said that it it idolizes like, you know, right. just everything young people do is great. Yeah. And old people are idiots. Right. I and, hate that kind of movie too. Yeah. I know what she means. Yeah. Now what 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 is interesting is you now, mm-hmm. as an adult yeah. and a married man with children, yeah. what do you think of both the movie and the character? Of, uh, of Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Well, I th- I like unlike you, I like the movie. I, fuck I, you! I fuck you too. Right? You could say fuck on this show. Yes, it's yes. the yes. internet. That's Blow great. job, anything. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow, it's um, loose. Uh, it, it, for the home viewer, I'm blushing. Yeah, yes, he is. I can attest to it. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I love I love that movie. I, I, it's, uh, I mean, I hate young people too. I know what you mean, <laughs> but. Uh, but but I like the you know I think uh, John Hughes did a beautiful job I think it's like a a wonderful little lark and uh, I'm amazed at how it's held up. What what I wasn't expecting with this show is I thought we'd have a few laughs but I also I became surprised when people would come in with really touching stories. Absolutely, like Sonny Fox. and uh, The Sonny Fox stories were amazing. And also for poignancy, uh, Mad Magazine legend Al Jaffe had a, had a very, very touching story. Uh, and also, um, what can I say, Dominic Chianese, uh picked up a guitar and uh, sang from the heart. And, um, well, here, check him out. A different side of the show. Okay, now this brings me to something that fascinates me. It's like this was as sad and tragic a childhood as you can imagine. And you built a career on comedy and making people laugh. 
I have always believed, and I'm firmly convinced of it now, especially after having to uh, uh, talk about my early childhood uh, for the book. Uh, I'll mention the name, Al Jaffe's Mad Life. <laughs> yes, go we'll mention it a few times. Mary Lou Weissman. Mary Lou and, Weissman was yeah, the author. Very well-written book, by the way, and gross. Thank you very much. She is a wonderful woman and a wonderful writer. And uh, so what I discovered early on was the first thing that a young child wants to do is become part of uh, – the, the little group of other children that you meet. You want to ingratiate yourself to them somehow so that they accept you and allow you to play ball with them or go fishing with them. And I found that uh, my ability to draw uh, fascinated them. So I started drawing, uh, first I started drawing American cartoon characters, which I used to love on Sundays, uh, bringing up Father with Jigs and Maggie and Little Orphan Annie and Dick Tracy. And I would draw them from memory the best way I could. And that kind of went over like a lead balloon because these kids were not reading American Sunday funnies. But then I started to do caricature of each of the each one of these kids, and that made them hysterical laughing because uh, one kid would have, walk around with his pants practically hanging below his bottom, and I, I would feature that in the cartoon, and oh, they'd all have big yucks about that. And I found out that, and by the way, these drawings were in the sand. In the street, all, all the streets were sand. There were no paved roads. And uh, so with a stick, I would draw these things. Later, I did it on paper and showed it to them, and they laughed hysterically. So I found humor uh, was very important, uh, not only this way to uh, ingratiate yourself in a new tribe, but also as a way for oneself to get your mind off the daily misery that you might be going through. Yeah. So I saw in humor a magical device for becoming uh, accepted. So they decided to move everybody to that camp. There were Russians, there were... British, there were French, there were Africans. They had all kinds of compounds. Everybody was going to be moved the next day. Now, we didn't want to be moved for two reasons. One is we were not in very good physical shape by that time. I was, when I was liberated, I, I weighed, I'm six foot three, three and a half at that point. I weighed a, went in weighing 165 pounds. I came out weighing 105 pounds. So we were not in great shape. And also... The 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 the, um, the Allies planes were shooting up everything that was moving on the roads in Germany. So who knew that they could tell us from the Germans you know, right. what would happen? So I, I guess it came out of Roddy also. But the word came down the next day. A third of us were to stay in our bunks in our you know the, the bed things and 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 say we're too sick to leave. 
The second third, if they pulled us outside, when they said move, they would drop into the cold, wet pavement and say they can't move. And if they still moved the last group out, we would organize in groups of 10, and the first night out, we would have jumped the armed guards. Go figure out how that would have worked out. Anyway, the day came, we all we, we cast the roles, everybody knew the part they had to play, and they came in and said, house, house, you know, let's go. And then these guys would say, no, we can't move. And they sort of, okay, left them alone and got the rest of us out. And then they started, we watched the British move out, we watched the Russians moving out. We were still there. And then they said, okay, start to move. We started to move, and bodies started to drop in a cold, rainy day on the pavement. I started to giggle to myself because I couldn't believe this was actually working. And then the the, the guy, the commandant, came with his gun and sh- shooting in the air and told the body, well, give me, give me, 240 guys so I can save face. Everybody said, the Americans are right over that hill. You shoot anybody here, you do anything, you're going to be a war criminal and we know who you are. Anyway, they finally took off and left us alone. We went back to our barracks and we just stayed out of sight because now the defeated German army was coming by and the defeated army has no discipline. You don't know what they're going to do next. And then about four, uh, then it was deserted. Then we knew it was really deserted. We, I climbed up on the roof of our barracks along with a couple others, and we saw that two rows, I'm going to cry again when I hear see this, two rows of Sherman tanks coming down the hill from Patton's Third Army. Now, this is a wonderful song. You know, was the, the word, you know who wrote the words to this was uh, uh, Yip Harburg. Oh, Yip Harburg. Yeah. Also Over the did, rainbow. Over the rainbow. Yeah. Once I built a railroad, I made it run. I made it race against time. Once I built a railroad, now it's done. Brother, can you spare a dime? Once I built a tower to the sun. Brick and rivet and lime Once I built a tower Now it's done Brother, can you spare a dime? Once in khaki suits, gee, we look swell Full of that Yankee doodle-dum Half a million boots Went slogging through hell I was a kid with a drum Say, don't you remember They called me Al It was Al all the time Say, don't you remember I'm your pal Brother, can you spare a dime? Fantastic. That was a treat. 
one of our favorite guests was Tony Orlando. Yeah, yeah, top top five for me. And and we found out loads of his father, his father's buried in a Jewish cemetery. That was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. which I of course thought, well, that's the best part of the interview. Well, I also have to say that, that that we didn't plan this show. We didn't plan long term what this show was going to be. We didn't have a grand vision for this show. We thought we'll call these people. In the old days, we used to call them on the phone before Frank Verderosa oh, yeah. came into our lives. Uh, and we might not use him again after he destroyed he's three trouble. episodes <laughs> that we had done. Three great episodes. Actually but, never happened. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't Frank. It's just become a runner. Okay, you can say that as long as we're on the air. <laughs> but 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 one of the surprises uh, of the show, something that emerged over time that I never saw coming, was Gilbert singing. Yeah. Was Gilbert spontaneously <laughs> and joyously breaking into song uh, for no apparent reason, whether there was a guest here to join him, whether it was just an old theme song, uh, out of the blue, Chevy Chase is sitting here and Gilbert starts singing the theme from Foul Play. Oh, yeah. Ready to take a chance There you again. go. We yeah. had Henry Winkler on the on the line. Uh, and- I, I sang the theme to Lords of Flatbush. Yeah. Hey, hey, what do you say? Looks like it's going to be a very fine day. That's it. And sometimes, well, those those were songs that were at least in context. Sometimes, <laughs> for no reason, something will just will emerge like the man who shot Liberty Valance <laughs> without any prompting. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's that's been a very very pleasant surprise. And again, you never know how the guests are going to react. Are they going to think we're mocking them? Are they going to think that Gilbert's taking the piss out of their song? <laughs> or, or but you know, we're trying to be reverent and we're trying to have fun with it. Here's somebody that really got it. Oh, Tony Orlando, I I wanted to sing tie a yellow ribbon with him, and he. Was in it a hundred percent. Hear for yourself. Are you familiar with Tie a Yellow <laughs> I, I, Ribbon? I, I think so. Okay. <clears throat> Are we ready? Should I play the music? You want to sing it with me? Yes. Wait a minute. Okay. I'll give you the music. You're really going to sing this with me? Yes. He doesn't have you and I, yet. karaoke you. time? Yes. We're going to do a karaoke yes. with my idol? Yes. Why? <laughs> Let's do it. Come on. You start it. Go ahead. Okay. I'm coming home. Wait, wait, start again. Start again. It's the wrong fucking key. He's singing in the key of Z. He doesn't Let's have do a key. This. I was going to tell you. Go ahead. Do it again, Frank. I'm, 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 I'm. I'm coming home. I've done Not my yet. time. Not, start again. Rick, you'll put the headphones Please, on. You got music. Let's do this right. Oh, I've got right. music? This is our big moment. Wait a minute. <laughs> Let's start. And I'll give you the cue when to start. Go like, ahead. like, yeah. Go. Okay, baby, you're coming up any second now. Go for it, Gilbert. I'm coming home, I've done my time. (laughs) Now I've got to know what is and isn't mine. If you receive my letter telling you I'd soon be free, then you'll know just what to do. Hurry! If you still want me. Get to it! If you still want oh, I me, mean, I'm so impressed. 
tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It's been three long years. Do you still let me sing for a minute? If I don't see a ribbon round the old oak tree, I'll stay on the bus. Forget about us. Put the blame on me. Go ahead. If I don't, I don't see, see a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Why am I sounding like you? Okay, Gilbert, come on. Bus driver, please look for me. Because I couldn't bear to see what I might see. I'm really still in prison. And they tell who's who. A simple yellow ribbon's what I need to set me free. I wrote and told her, please. I wrote. I wrote her and told her. Okay, but it's on you now. Chorus, go ahead. An old oak tree. Tie a ribbon around the 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 old oak tree. Just get on the bus. Forget about us. Put the blame on me. I know why she married you. She sings like you, too. Yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. Show business. Oh, oh, that. <laughs> wow, that's you, Gil. That yeah. was Dara singing it. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> it's not quite tell me. You know, Joyce. I haven't had more fun. Oh. Thank you for inviting me to this show. I mean, I haven't had this much fun. I don't even know when. Seriously, <laughs> we we have fun. Do you have fun doing yes. this radio show? Yeah, I'm 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 gonna tell you something, and I mean it. This is the same thing I told Dick Van Dyke. He sang after Dick Van Dyke. I sang two duets with him. Put on a happy face right. and super califragilistic. Oh, that must have been something. Yes, and I'm telling you the same thing I told Dick Van Dyke. I think I just came. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's easy for him, huh? <laughs> She's jumping up and down. She's literally jumping up and down. Well, I have a new nickname for him, if that's the case. We're calling him Sir Speedy from now on. <laughs> but if you really want to get an idea of what this podcast is about, here are some highlights courtesy of Artie Lang, Howie Mandel, Chevy Chase and Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, listen, right. he lost to Joel Gray in Cabaret. Could you imagine? Like, he was best supporting actor. Yeah. He, the, the transformation he makes in Godfather 1 is one of the best acting things ever, from that innocent kid to, to the this yeah. devil. And he was up for supporting. Can you and imagine? he loses to yeah. Joel Gray. Can you imagine? Joel fucking Gray. And, <laughs> and, a, and that was the year Brando won and sent Sashim Littlefeather. That, what a, what a the, great Hollywood the, move. Uh, That's yeah. a Tracy Morgan move. <laughs> <laughs> send, the, send the Indian. I'm Sending Shafim Littlefeather. <laughs> I'm sending Can't Talk Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm sending Hocapontis. <laughs> I'm sending Jew Lawyer. <laughs> oh, God. 
disappointed. My buddy Alex Baldwin's gonna say, "Well, I can't. I'm emo- I'm too emotionally stressed to tie a tie. I can't tie a tie now. Write a check, bitch." That's all that was. Hoka poke Lord. I gotta smoke the piss pipe. <laughs> let's roll some. Let's roll a piss pipe. Uh, let's smoke a piss bong. Gilbert, you are my absolute favorite comedian. I love you as a person. I've known you for years. And but the thing is, and I, I would say yes to whatever you ever wanted me to do. But I have never been to a more complicated, different broadcast than this. He said, "Can we come backstage and do it?" There is a crew of nine. I'm not sure what anybody's doing. Uh, Somebody's just holding an iPhone up, and then we have a photographer for a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So you can see shots of Audio podcast. only podcast. Okay. They set up. They were looking for plugs. They didn't, we didn't have enough pillows for Gilbert to start. Can we start? He goes, I need a pillow. His, his, wife, his wife, Dara, gave him three pillows. We couldn't start. We were about to start. Then his wife said to him, Gilbert, do you have to make a pee-pee? She did. She took you down the hall to pee pee, which I thought was kind of nice and a little motherly. And that when you finished making a pee pee, uh, we were about to start, and she actually said to your co host, Frank, do you have to go to the bathroom? He didn't have to go to the bathroom. And then Frank laid out. Frank has got a, uh, a, like an array of cards. He's really prepared. I think he's done. He's he'd been on Wikipedia for yeah. years, <laughs> weeks, weeks and wrote you uh, obviously a, a, my uh, my bio for an intro. And uh, you know how at the end of the day, guys wear pants longer than women wear pants. But sometimes I wore pants for three days, and then my wife says, "Let's throw those in the laundry." And you empty shit out of the pockets. There's little crumpled pieces of paper, and you don't know you don't know what those crumpled pieces of paper are. Somebody else? Are you with the? Somebody just walked in the room. You're with Frank. That's. Do you have something to do with this podcast? Do you? Who are you? That's our social media director. The social media yeah. director on time. That's great. So, Before you, you do any social media, do you have yeah. to pee? And I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for Gilbert's wife. All right. <laughs> and Frank and I were discussing how you worked with the Munchkins. Well, that's where I met my wife. Who <laughs> was sacked up with the Munchkins? All of them. No, there, it was called Under the Rainbow, and therefore. It, it was not a good movie, but uh, it, it required 150 uh, little people, as they like to be called, uh, and, and insist on. And they are. And we had, I mean, about 100 and something of them, and they were living in a hotel right next to the stage where we shot. The, the, the Out there, they call them sages. And um, apparently, they were just dead drunk every night, and, you know, snorting coke and all. You know, that's they don't have long to live. Their livers are getting as big as they are. So, you know, this is the way this is the way they are. But they were they were they were funny. But when when I had to be in a whole in this hotel lobby with them with Eve Arden, which is enough already. Um you know, they would fart around me. They uh they'd spit um uh, They'd goose me. A lot of them really? goose me. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Jeffy. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. If they were just a motley uh, uh, group of people. There's only one of them still living. <laughs> I don't know who Jerry is. Marin. He's the last surviving. I don't uh, think he's alive anymore. Oh, I think he is. In the original Wizard of Oz, according to legend. Well, we had, we had a few of the original yeah. munchkins, yeah. Yeah. In the original Wizard of Oz, according to Hollywood legend, at least, you could see in the background that one of the munchkins hung himself in the tree. Oh, that's, that's a lesson. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a Hollywood myth. That, yeah. But, and, and they... <laughs> that's outrageous. Oh, God. And they say in one scene, you could see his little body hanging from a noose from the tree. <laughs> This isn't right. <laughs> See, I and I was saying, like, look, I'm not fucking Oprah Winfrey. I heard you were. Yes. No, I went down on Oprah oh. Winfrey. That's the mistake That's a lot of people make. <laughs> it's an easy, easy mistake to make. <laughs> But you're saying no actual penetration. No actual, no actual penetration. She one time blew me. Uh, Could yeah, we get, can we yeah. get back on track? Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> no, I. Oprah Winfrey one time blew me. Yes. Yes. While as legend has it, yeah, while Stedman held the cheap movie camera. <laughs> You'd think they could afford a better movie camera after all this time. That's what's really offensive to me. She makes all that money. She gives Stedman a cheap movie camera. Yes. What are they thinking? What are they doing with all that money? With the little handle on the box. The Bell and Howell model. Yes. Oh. That's disgusting. And to show it it on a projector. Oh. (laughs) That's offensive to me. Yeah. It it kills the whole reason for going down (laughs) on Oprah Winfrey that they couldn't get a good camera. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you don't. You don't film uh, Citizen Kane on your little phone. You don't you do don't that. Click the video. <laughs> you would not do that. That's not something you would do normally. Another thing that's great is that, and we have to mention this, we didn't realize that this show would resonate with so many people. Yeah, because people were saying, and I thought myself, like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's like this is something we like old Hollywood. No one knows these people. No one cares. But I get these tweets where people say to me, I didn't know who you were talking to. Yeah, it's gratifying. And, and I didn't know the people you were talking about with them, but I looked it up and I loved it. Well, or that they've become a fan of that person. They start renting their movies. They yes. start researching them. We thought, you know, yes, we know people, you know, friars and... And people in comedy, we knew a couple of hundred people that we thought would be into what we were doing. Our our core group of oh, weirdos, yeah. yes. <laughs> you know, but we really didn't know that there was this this gigantic world out there with an appreciation. And it becomes like to them a lot of times like a fun homework assignment. Yeah, to hear a name and look it up and watch their movies. Yeah. So we so part of the success of this show and part of the thrill of doing it and what it's become is 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 the fans and the listeners uh it's 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 become a community and and that that we get to to thank these people, thank these stars 
who were part of our childhood by introducing them to another generation is is really one of the most gratifying parts of it. It's one of the ways uh, we can pay them back. And I always think of like when they used to have shows like Love Boat and Fantasy Island, these these stars, former stars who you thought were dead, pop uh, popped up on those shows. And if you remembered them, you go, oh, wow, they're as good as they ever were. As good as they ever were. And the, and when they come on this show, like John Biner, when they come on this show, you haven't heard from them in a number of yeah. years. Hey, I wonder what he's up to. He comes on the show. He's plug and play. Everything out of his mouth is great. Great timing. Great impressions. And you think these guys are they st- they've they've still got their fastball. They're still great. I mean, how alert. Well, Dick Van Dyke. Same was thing. Great. Yeah. He was just. Uh, I I I should remember one time we were doing a year end show and we were talking about the legends in show business that we talked about. And uh, and of course we left out Dick Van Dyke. Yes. Yeah. Which. How foolish. Yeah. And I thought, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> but because he was terrific. Yeah. And then we got Carl Reiner to come and talk to us. It's it's so gratifying. I can't believe that it's built to this from just sitting around your kitchen table yes. making phone calls. And Carl Reiner, I sang yes. on the show, and he has a great voice. Sang an aria to us. So. It's 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 there are many pinch pinch me moments on the show every week. Even you, a jaded show business yeah. veteran, <laughs> a cynical <laughs> bastard like yourself, a dirty scumbag, yeah, is still sitting there pinching himself because he's talking to Carl Reiner. And oh it's, yeah, it's a thrill. It's a thrill to see. We we never gr- thought it would grow into something. Uh, and and uh, this big, Dick Van Dyke told me I would have made a a good buddy on the Dick Van Dyke show that Maury Amsterdam played in. Adam West told me I would have made a great penguin. See? <laughs> and you were ready to give up in the pizza store. Oh, yes. <laughs> what have you learned, young Gilbert? Oh, uh, well, I learned. Uh, my favorite thing that I learned was when we had Lee Merriweather on. Uh-huh. She played Catwoman in the original Batman series. In the movie. In the movie, yeah. yes. And she was Catwoman. And uh, I was, you know, going into my usuals. I heard her do like her meow. And I want, I said, ooh, can you do that again? And she said, oh, I'm going to have to spank you. <laughs> and, and I thought, if only she knew how many times I've masturbated That's to that over the years. That's the Yes. That's... <laughs> Now the truth comes out. It's like she must have been like reading my mind all those years. So it's not about reverence <laughs> no, or paying no. back the, the stars from your childhood. <laughs> it's about your sick fantasies. Yes. <laughs> anyway, thanks uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we, we hope you love the show. We we intend to keep going as, as long as the two of us can, can hold up. Well, it doesn't have to be the two of us. I get rid of that's Scarlett Johansson robots looking better by the oh, day. Oh, huh? yes. <laughs> the man that you heard before doing the nice British voice is actually a celebrity impersonator by the name of Lloyd Floyd, and so is this. Very special thanks to Lloyd Floyd for being our British voice at the head of the show. You can look him up on imdb.com and see what he's done. That's Lloyd Floyd. You can also look up his uh, podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. <laughs>